The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Hey, listen, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet personally, my name is Daryl. My wife, Tracy, which will be married 16 years this month. Yes. My son, Reese, and my daughter, Mia, are honored to call Story City our home church for a little over a year now. And what a year it has been. It's such an honor to be with you guys today. If you've been with us for a while, we've been uh, following uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're going to continue that today. So I just want to encourage you, if you're with us online or outside or here, if you have a Bible, um, open up your Bible, go to the book of Matthew. Today we're going to be in chapter 7. We want to encourage you guys to do that. Our hope is this. Listen, whatever we say here today has absolutely zero value compared to the Word of God and you spending time diving into it. So our hope is, is that leading, leaving this um, Sunday as we worship together, that you guys would um, reflect on the Scripture, read the Scripture, and spend time with the Lord. So we want to encourage you guys to do that as much as possible. Today we're in chapter 7, and Jacob read most of it, and uh, we're going to be spending our time focusing on a couple specific verses, specifically 21 through 23. The verses before this give out kind of, this is kind of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and the verses before this give us a sense of warning. He has a bunch of people following him. He, as in Jesus, has a bunch of uh, proclaimed disciples and people that would be followers of Jesus. But at the end of this time, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he wants to give them a final warning. He has some concerns that they may be led astray or not really understand what this is about. So some of these final warnings go to tell things like, don't judge others. Yeah, I got that. It says, um, ask, seek, knock, and I will respond to you. Okay, don't search for the answers on the outside. Go to, okay, I got that. Um, it talks about watch out for false uh, prophets. Make sure you know the difference. Okay, people, watch out for false prophets. And then we get to this verse, and it says, not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. It's like, oh, man, it comes back to this final point. Everything else, we're looking external at all these things to watch out for. But when God, when Jesus comes to the end on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, now look into your hearts and be aware. This is what's going to happen at the end of the time. This is what may happen. And it says that not everyone in verses 21 through 23, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you hear the words, Lord, Lord, that is, seems to be loaded with emotion. Lord, Lord, loaded. I think of like my children when they come to me and they say, daddy, daddy. Not so much. My son's 15 now. He doesn't say that anymore, but I... (laughs) like to imagine the days that he did and my daughter, but I think when those moments of emotion of Lord, Lord, it's as if they know him. Like when you hear that, you assume they have a relationship with God. 
At least at some point, there had to be some sort of introduction, if not to the person of Jesus, at least to the ideals or concept or, or the, the followers of Jesus. They, they knew something about him to have this emotional sense of yelling out, Lord, Lord, to him. And this brings me to the edge of my seat because it implies here when it says that not all that say that one to the king, it implies that my relationship with God goes deeper than just what I know about Jesus. My salvation involves more than me just knowing who Jesus is because they knew who Jesus was. They even had emotion attached to it and said they didn't enter. So wait a second, my salvation has to go deeper than just me knowing about Jesus and being a bit emotional at times and and seeing some of the results of it. I didn't really like this scripture at first when I read it. The other ones I can do, this one challenges me at times. It could sound a bit like rejection when he sits there and they say, Lord, Lord, and he rejects them in this moment is what it could sound like. Have you ever been rejected before when you, you, you know, put your heart out there, you cry out there? Kind of like my ex-girlfriend, Tracy, the first time I told her that I love her. We were at dinner and I looked to her and I look in her eyes and I said, babe, I love you. And she said, thank you. <laughs> And then I gotten, well, wait a second. You, you're supposed to say that back. And she said, I, I know, but uh, I'm just not there yet. My ex-girlfriend Tracy is now my wife of 16 years, so <laughs> it worked out. But have you ever been rejected? You know, for me, it's really deeper than that. When I think of this scripture, just from my, my human perspective, when I first look at it, I, I, I feel more like the rejection of a father. I think, Lord, Lord, Father, Father. And for me, this was a bit of a struggle because as a child growing up, as an as a only child, no siblings, growing up by a single uh, mother, beautiful, brave, and strong, amazing mother, um, and grandmother, and people in my life, I always desired to hear the voice of my father call me son, to hear my voice of my father say, good job, I'm proud of you. And then as I, and so the idea of that not happening was a bit of a struggle. And as I was introduced to Jesus, I began to elevate those expectations or hope that there'll be a day that when I meet Jesus face to face, that Jesus too would meet me with an embrace and call me son. Have you ever thought about that moment that you meet Jesus, like here? Are you, that, that moment, Jesus is there, this is the time, and you see him, do you run to him saying, Lord, Lord, what does it look like? Have you ever really tried to picture what that moment is going to be like when you're standing? I'm telling you, there was a couple times I was pretty terrified, I was just like, right, not now, Jesus. Don't come right now, I'm not ready. But have you ever truly thought about that? You know, I was online um, wasting time as usual, and I found this picture called First Introduction to Jesus online, and I thought, what a beautiful picture it is, and that I hoped and I desire, can you put that, that's the cue to put it up. (laughs) But it's a picture, here it is, 
This is a picture that I found of, it's called the introduction to Jesus. And I imagine, I mean, you could just see the emotion bottled up from years. And I picture myself meeting Jesus that way. And Jesus looking to me and saying, good job, well done. I know it's been hard. I know it's been hard. I know there's times you felt alone. I know there's times you felt scared, but I've always been with you. I've never taken my eyes off you. And you're home now as he embraces me in his arms. This is the picture that I always hoped for would be when I meet Jesus. But then there's times that myself, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if things will go as planned. You know, I've spent many times in my life working so hard to just do the next right thing to ensure that when I meet him, he will embrace me and say, well done. I've worked hard and I've tried. And the truth is, more often than not, I've failed. And I find myself sitting in shame and guilt as sin weaves itself in and out of my life. And I don't know how to deal with this concept because I want to cry out, Lord, Lord, but then I'm battling with these thoughts. And then I'm in ministry, right? So I have all kinds of fruit in my life. I serve, I work hard, I do these things. And the truth is, oftentimes what people see as fruit on the exterior of my life feels like obligation and responsibility that weighs me down. It feels like it sucks the life out of me at times. How could I feel like that? Being with the Lord. I'm battling this thing called flesh and walking with God. It can be a vicious cycle in the process of following the Lord. But here's the good news. The scripture is not about a rejection. It's not a picture of the Lord rejecting his son or the Lord rejecting people that cry out to him. But it is an unfortunate reality that Jesus so desperately wants us to avoid. And that's this idea and false understanding of what a true relationship with him is. A true relationship with Jesus that leads to salvation in him. So how do I deal with these thoughts and emotions and when I feel like this? How do I move forward in this time? I love Leah as we were talking about this. She pointed out Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 13. And I feel like it gives us comfort in these things that we're not alone It says here, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Here's where it is right here. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And see, because I was confused because I thought like once I got saved, once I got baptized, I'm clean. I'm I started over. So from this point forward, I do good. And then I know that on the outside, you guys see what goes good, but there's times in my life that's not good. And so I felt like, what does that mean for me? And here it says to work out your salvation. It's a progression. There's a process taking place in our salvation and our relationship with Jesus. And here's the good part. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Sometimes, church, I just don't feel like I'm going to make it. I don't know if I have it in me 
to do another run. I'm tired sometimes and selfish and it's hard. But the good news is God who works. It's God who works. It's God who works in our life. So it takes us to our first point, which is strive to be obedient in the process of sanctification. God is working on you. The Holy Spirit is working those things through you. Don't get upset. Don't shy away. Don't get defensive. Don't get scared. Strive to keep pushing forward, to lean into your relationship, to be obedient as he works it out in your life. If we continue on in the scripture in Matthew, in the second half of that scripture says, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, went to the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father. Great. Can you just tell me what his will is so I could do it? Like, I'm sure it's the, there's a Bible, so I'm sure his will is in plain ink right there. You just read, like, can you, who has, like, I need the list, his will. Is it the Ten Commandments? Is it, what, what is the list? What is his will? They had an answer at that time. As you continue in the scripture, only those that do the will of my Father. I'm glad you said that because I'm about to show you what I've done, the will of the Father. And here's what they said. Here's what they said. They said, many, Jesus said this, many will say to this on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Man, that sounds like pretty good stuff, the will of the Father, like drive out demons, prophesy, do miracles. That sounds like the will of the Lord. And they did that. And it said that they will say that and they still did not enter the kingdom. If these are people, if there's are followers of Jesus that did these things and still didn't enter the kingdom, how did they do those things then? Because those are things only the power of the Lord can do. So how do they do those things? I'm going to tell you in three words. They said it again and again, in your name, in his name, in his name, even in the hands of the wicked, even in the hands of the unsaved, there is power in the name of Jesus. And the grace and will of God will be done. There's power in the name of Jesus. But those things weren't evidence of the relationship with God. So as we were looking at this list, Andy and I were sitting and we were going through this list of stuff. And Andy says, Daryl, let's just be honest. That list is pretty good. And me and you will probably, we may never cast out demons. I'm not sure if we're going to prophesy. And I don't know how many miracles we're going to do. It's a good list. So if we're not going to do those things, if that's the reality, we're not even know what are we doing? What's our list? I mean, the reality is if we are followers of Jesus, we should be able to say we did something in the name of God, right? There should be some fruit if we're followers of Jesus. We should be able to say, hey, I've done this in the name of the Lord and glorified you. What would your list be as you face God? And he says, only those that have done the will of my father. They had a list of three things. What is your list of three things that you've done in the name of the father? And, and, and this is not a trick question. Like we, we should have something to say. Surely if we've been following Jesus for all this time, we've, we've done some things in the name. If you guys have notes, which you probably don't because I made them really late. 
but there are notes around there somewhere. But I want you to think of the three things. If you had to write down three things that in your life you could say, listen, I, I know that I've done these things in the name of the Lord. I want you to think about it for a second. What are the three things you could stand and say, at least I've, known, I, I've done this in the name of the Lord. What's your three things? You have to have three things. You've been following the Lord for a while, some of us. Or when you're thinking about following the Lord, what are the three things you could stand on? I want us to just think about that for a second. Write them down in your mind, on your heart. Just three things we've done in the name and glorification of the Lord in our lives. All right. So here's the reality. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but me and Andy and Leah, and we were all sitting down, we were thinking about what our list was. And like, although it was a good list, it still didn't compare to many of the things they were saying. Listen, we all have lists of good external things that we can do in our life that has nothing to do with who we are and what we believe. They're good things and we can do them. But see, the truth is 95% of our life, I'm just throwing that number out there, but the vast majority of our life is not a list of things that we decided to do in that moment. Most of our life are unlike predicted things. Like we just do them. Like, like things just happen to us in our life. How many of you guys have ever said something and been like, oh, I don't even know where that came from. Like good or bad, probably a lot of bad, but good or bad. You're like, you said, I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Like, why did I say that? Like we, we do this throughout our life. We, we say things, we don't even know where it comes from and we just keep talking. It just keeps coming out and keeps coming out and we don't even know where it comes from. Most of the things, the majority of our life is not, we're gonna say those three things we did, which accounts for 0.01% of our life, and then the rest of our life are things that weren't on the list because they're things we just did. No one wakes up and says, I'm gonna choose to be prideful today. It just comes from somewhere. Nobody says, I'm gonna have an attitude today or be this way or that way today. It just comes from somewhere. What about those things? What, what, what does it mean in the end when we're standing face to face with Jesus with, with, with the 95, 98, 99% of our life for the things we can't account for because they just happened? What happens with those things in our life? Because the truth is, those things that we do every day that just naturally happen to us paint a picture of what we truly believe and what's going on in our life. Let's look at Matthew for a second, chapter 12, verse 36. It says this, I tell you that on that day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. Guys, careless, that's the stuff that didn't make it on our to-do list, the things I did good. Careless things they say. We could add careless actions we do. These are the things we do every day that symbolizes our relationship with Jesus. So what do we do? What do it's easy. Just do the will of God. Just do the will of God. 
okay, well, how do we do it if we can't truly identify it? Because I thought it was all these lists of things. So what is it? I want to give you a piece of homework here. This isn't, this isn't on the, the slides, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a great place to start with this. But what do we do? How do we find this list? What do we do if it doesn't make it on a list? Let's look at Romans 12, verse 2. It says this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. This scripture, it tells us that we can't live our life by lists and standards that we create. Our only hope is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then and only then can we test and approve what the perfect will of God is. Listen, God, should I marry this person? Should I get this job? Should I go here? Should I go there? How, How do you find the will of God in those things? Here's how, by the renewing of your mind. We need to have a Christ-like mindset. We need to have the Christ that lives in us, that his will is shown through us in everything we do, not that one or two things that make it on the list. That's fruit. But the will is lived out throughout our life, through our relationship with Jesus. And the only way that can happen is by complete immersion into God's word, a relationship with him, and sanctification of the Holy Spirit. So second point, sanctification strengthens our faith. Sanctification strengthens our faith. This verse closes in this way. It says, then, in verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. It says plainly, you know, on the first half when they said, Lord, Lord, it implied there was emotion involved in it. Plainly implies that there's no emotion. Listen, I don't, I don't even know bad you, you feel like you have to reject somebody. Like if you had a relationship with somebody and knew somebody and you had to say, you can't be with me anymore. There's some emotion involved in that. And this thing right here implies there's no emotion. So it doesn't imply that somebody was with God, that someone had a relation with God and he rejects them at this time. It implies that they were not with God. So it's not a picture of God rejecting somebody that was with him. So here's the thing. If you replace the word new with the Greek word that I can't pronounce, genoko or something like that. But if you look at the Greek word, it's a prolonged word of no. It's to know your innermost parts. It's not to know about. It's to know every in-depth part of your every single life. He says that he never knew them. I believe this group that Jesus is talking about the time is a group that will find systems within our faith and worship. I believe that this group of people may experience some of the blessings or some of the benefits of the way that we have our moral standards as Christians. Listen, the way we live, there's some natural byproducts of good things in those things. I think they're going to experience some of those, but they never truly let God into their lives. This final statement implies that our salvation is not just about, not just that we know about Jesus, but instead that Jesus knows every innermost part of us, of us, that Jesus, when he's looking at us, that he's looking for a reflection of himself 
in every part of our life. Listen, we're covered by the blood of Christ. When God sees us, he sees the image bearing of his son. So when he looks into these moments of our life, does he see the image of his son in these parts of our life? Does he recognize himself in those careless actions, just the things we do naturally? Does he recognize himself in those moments? Until we truly allow God to work deep within our hearts, and until we allow him, and in the moment we allow him to truly know us is the moment that he begins to truly heal us in our life, which brings us to our final point. Faith is fulfilled in a true relationship with Jesus. And in closing, I want to give you a bit of a story that I wanted to share with you, a bit about my relationship with Jesus. I was struggling with this for a while. Even after being starting to get involved in ministry about 12 years ago, I had already been baptized and stuff. I was volunteering at a ministry, but we were doing this big baptisms. There was four pools outside and different ministries were baptizing at each pool. Our pool was the last pool. There was a bunch of people getting baptized and, and we were the very last pool. And so I was a part of this t- couple's ministry team. And so as we were there, I was standing outside helping people into the pool, but I started feeling a bit guilty. I was feeling something in my life because I knew that sin had begun to weave itself in and out of my life. And I began to question my own salvation. And I began to see people getting baptized. I saw the look on their faces when they got baptized, that they were, felt like they were in the presence of the Lord in that moment, that they were with him. And I had at this time begin to feel because of my actions that I was not with the Lord anymore. And I was like, man, that's what I need. I need a start over. God, can, you, can I just start over again? And so I begin to feel like I want to get baptized again. I know I did it before, but, but I'm not sure it counted because I did some messed up things afterwards, so I think I need to get baptized again. I'm not sure if, it, it, I'm not sure if I was under long enough. Maybe a piece of hair was sticking out. I don't know because it didn't work. I'd done some things. I need to get baptized again. But see, here's the thing. I knew that we believe that our salvation is secure with Jesus. Once we are saved, once we are with him, nothing can take us from him. Then when we get baptized, there's not a do-over, it's a process. But I didn't understand that completely at the time, but I was too ashamed to tell the other leaders I wanted to get baptized again because I didn't want them to be like, well, why? What did we forget to wash off? So I sat there and just uh, kind of felt guilty and shame in the whole process. Every other baptism had left. We were the last pool. Everyone was gone. Parking was gone. It was after church. A group of people still want to get baptized. We were there. It ended. Nobody else was in the parking lot, just our group of volunteers, five of us, five men. And we began walking away from the baptism. And as I'm walking away, I see that pool going further and further. I'm telling myself, man, just tell them. Just tell them you need to be washed with the blood of Christ again. But yet I had this other side say, but aren't you secure in your salvation? And as we're walking, a friend of mine, Pastor Tracy, looks at me and he says, Daryl, we've never baptized you. See, here's the thing. Tracy knew I was baptized already. He knew it. What was he talking about? Out of nowhere, he says, we never baptized you. And I said, what do you mean? I've been baptized. (laughs) Even though I wanted to do it again. And he goes, listen, brother, he goes, I know you're secure with Christ. I know that God has begun a good work in you and he's gonna continue to fill it out. But this is really just something we like to do as brothers for fun. There's nothing spiritual about this, Daryl. You are secure with Christ. 
But as friends and brothers, we like to dip each other under the water and baptize you into our group of friends. Nothing spiritual. We just like to do it. Daryl, can we baptize you today into our group of friends? And tears came down my eyes. And I said, yeah. See, I love the Lord. I had, this is a sense that I have a relationship with God. He loves me so much as a child that he allowed me to go through that process. But what he wouldn't do is allow me to think that my salvation was lost because of myself. He wasn't going to allow me to think that that was going to secure my salvation. And then next year I need it again. And next year I need it again. He wasn't going to allow me to go there. But he loved me enough to be silly about it with me (laughs) and let me do that. And that day I began to lean on him more than ever before in my life and find security in that relationship with him. Those moments that you know God is with you and for you. John 10, 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish No one will snatch them out of my hand. You could even put yourself in there that you will not snatch yourself out of his hand. He is working in you. He is with you. Lean into him. Our worship team's gonna come back up now. And as they come back up and Andy prepares to lead us in a few moments, a a few words here, I wanna ask, Does Jesus truly know every innermost part of you? Or is there areas you've been keeping him out? Is there some areas that you've seen fruit, you've seen amazing things, but there's a couple of areas that you said, I'm not ready for that, God. I just can't quite let this go. I want to encourage you today that as we sing these next few moments of worship, can a form of worship for you today be to surrender those things to him? Would you allow God to come in your life in the ways he's never come in before? And would you seek him in a true relationship today and enter into the fullness of his grace? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for your sovereignty in our life. I thank you, God, that once you've grabbed a hold of our hearts that you will never let us go in spite of every part of us that has a tendency to stray, that has a tendency to walk away from your love, Lord, that you are with us, that you never leave us. God, would we begin to surrender all of ourselves to you, Lord? We want a true, full, intimate, all-knowing relationship with you, God, and we invite you in today, Lord. Would you fill this room? and enter into the hearts of every person here today in your son's name, amen.